Gather round, circle up, fill the cup, spill the tea Just believe, just believe the diamond dogs are here And that means that you're not alone We get one shot at this life And heaven knows, heaven knows that we try, that we try The diamond dogs are here everyone. Welcome to season two, episode 11 of the Diamond Dogs podcast. I'm Beth Rashley, one of your co-hosts, and I'm here with my good friend, Jason Barnaby. And we're excited to chat with you. We just have two episodes left in this season, which is nutso. And these last two are really just fantastic episodes, lots of leadership content in it. And I'm excited to dig into them. Um, Before we get to that content, though, let's let's just check in with our storyline with a recap here. So um, this episode uh, starts with a game and um, bless Sam's heart. He scores his first hat trick of his career. Is that three goals? That's three goals. Three goals. That's what that means. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. Like it's a pretty rare thing. And um, everybody's really excited for Sam about that. It actually gets him some attention from a billionaire named Edwin, who's from um, Ghana. And he comes and visits because he wants to buy Sam as a player. Like he wants Sam on a team that he's building. He's going to buy Raja Casablanca and he wants it to be mostly African players. And he wants Sam to be part of that. So he does this really elaborate wooing of Sam and so elaborate elaborate. and uh, Sam has to make this decision about whether he's going to stay or go. And he has three dates to do it. The other storyline that's happening here is just continuing drama with Nate, really starting to see the ramp up of Nate's frustration. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk more about what's going on there when we, when we get into that storyline, he does decide to buy some new suits and asks Keely for assistance for that, which ends in kind of an awkward moment where he decides it's appropriate to kiss Keely. So weird. And Keely ends up coming clean both about that kiss and also Jamie's confession that he is still in love with her. And Roy, in in another storyline, Roy ends up spending three hours at Phoebe's school with her her teacher and, and I mean, I think there's just some change in dynamics happening with, yeah. with Roy and Keeley. And are they staying together? Are they breaking up? What's happening? Lots of kind of turmoil there. Um, and then the other thing that happens is that it's Sharon's last day. So there's this great storyline with um, Sharon leaving and, and Ted and Sharon kind of parting. And then the real kicker here is at the end of the episode, Ted receives a message from Trent Krim from The Independent, Independent. Um, tipping him. Tipping him off that an article's coming out in the morning, identifying that Ted didn't in fact have food poisoning at the match he left, but that it was a panic attack. And then Trent discloses that Nate was his source for that information. And I love the way that he tells him that like, as a reporter, I had to report this, but as somebody who respects you, I think he uses the word respect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have to tell you that my source was Nate. Yeah. Really big moment for big moment. And as we'll see in the next episode, it was a really big moment because what that meant to him. Yeah. It has some consequences. So yeah, just a lot to unpack here. Yeah. The stuff with Nate, like makes me, it gets me fired up. Yeah. I was looking at some, you know, people that have 
tweeted about this in real time as it's going on. And just some of the, I actually found a post by Nate's character on Twitter and he's just talking about some of the things that happened. And one of the people that wrote about it is like, instead of like, instead of bringing Nate back from the dark side, he just continues to plunge further and further into the dark side. And so Mm -hmm. like any hope that you have and that you, you think you see of him coming back, man, this episode and the next one too. I mean, you just see it. I think there's even some foretelling foreshadowing in the suit storyline too. the fact that he ends up buying the all black, you know, that's like, basically he just became Darth Vader. I mean, let's face it. Yep. Slash <laughs> you know, like, Roy Kent. That's right. Yeah. Oh, right. that's interesting. Cause they always dress him in all black too, don't they? Yeah. Well, and that, what he says is he's getting ready for, he's like, this is not black. This is dark Heather charcoal. Cracks me up. He distinguishes between his levels of, it's of so black. Funny. It's oh so gosh, black. It's hilarious. That. He's like, they want me to wear all black. And they're like, you do wear all black. No, this is dark. Heather dark Heather Heather Heather. Heather. yeah so so good stuff um where do you want to start with lessons i think we let's just go straight into the nate storyline because i think that's where we're at and i i think that is really the the storyline that has the most in it for us as leaders like just what do you do with this emerging leader kind of of narrative that goes wrong so there are a couple things that really um, kick in Nate comes up with an idea for a strategy for the game um, that ends up the game itself ends up happening in the next episode, but he um, comes up with this idea for a false nine (laughs) and there's this great scene with uh, beard and Roy, where they talk about, you know, Nate just says like, I give Ted an idea and he takes all the credit. And he says, do you guys ever want to be the boss and take all the credit? He just says that like out loud to beard and Roy. And it's such like a great peeling back and Roy and beard's response to that is also, I just really, really appreciated because Roy says something like, that's not the job. Like, that's just not what this is. And I can't remember beard's reaction, but I think he's just kind of befuddled by the whole thing. Yeah. I don't think it would occur to beard to even be upset about that. Um, Beard is a number two. Yeah, and he right. knows that, and I and think he, he he plays that role well. He knows yeah. that's his role, and and he and, knows his role is. But he, you know, the flip side of that that I don't think Nate is thinking about is sure you get all the glory when everything goes well, but you get all the shitstorm when yeah when, when things are going wrong poorly. Yeah, and that's something that he that he has just isn't ready for. And I met with a friend of mine recently who's he's a, he's one of the most amazing leaders that I've ever met. And he was a person who gave me a lot of business when I first started out on my own, like literally in the first few months um, through his organization. And we were talking recently and I was asking him, you know, where are you going to do this? And he goes, no, he said, you know, I, I am a great number two. Yeah. I think that is an incredible gift. If you, if it's an incredible gift, it's an incredible gift to yourself because you're not striving for something that you don't want. And you're number one. If they know that you are a great number two, they're not worried. They're not constantly looking over their shoulder, worrying about if you're going to stab them in the back. Yeah. Nate Nate is definitely on the offensive and he's definitely coming for Ted and he can see that. And that's got to be hard to be able to, 
to, you know, to make decisions and lead a team, but you're also looking around, like wondering if somebody in your, in your tribe and your inner circle is going to stab you, which is exactly what happened here. I, I think as this stuff starts to emerge, nobody's really saying anything. Like it's clear that the, it's clear that the wheels are coming off with Nate and it's clear that he's disgruntled. I, that's where I would say as much as I appreciate Ted's style and, and the overall approach from the show, there are times when you got to get comfortable being uncomfortable and just, and hit this thing head on and nip it in the bud. Yeah. And I completely agree. I think Ted has done no intervention. There has been zero intervention of any of this behavior all season, which is why it's gotten as severe as it is. The only intervention has come from beard. Right. And that is again, just a lesson for us all as leaders. Like I think it's so easy to, you know, see behavior and ignore it and think, oh, that was a one-off or they'll, you know, they'll figure it out. I just got to give them some time. Um, don't let those moments pass you by that. That is just absolutely a leadership mistake. And I, I think I have seen this, so I'll, I'll call this out on my own journey, but I've certainly seen this in other leaders as well. And that is when let's say there's something that's important that's happening and you delegate that to somebody and that person goes and gives the message, but it's not coming from you as the leader. Yes. And so therefore it's not taken with as much weight. And I see people who sometimes want to be more of that servant leader person, right? Like that really want to be humble who are not willing to step into that because they're like, well, I don't need to, like I can, I can lead. There are times when you need to, when you need to be the heavy hand, the big word, the, the big conversation, like and I think knowing when you need to do that, I just think that's that I, I have seen a lot of leaders who don't have that piece figured out. Yeah. And it and it's uncomfortable. And so therefore it could be, you know, you can wrap that however you want. Well, it's a it's a great opportunity for one of my other leaders. Well, it may also be a great opportunity for you not to delegate and be the person that says this is the way that it is. I think there are very, I mean, I can think of almost zero situations where the delegation of a feedback conversation is ever appropriate. The only exception to that, I would say is I do think there's, there's value in leaders encouraging employees to handle issues between employees themselves. That's a great. So if let's say Jason and I are working together on a project and I'm frustrated with Jason about something and I go to my boss to vent about it. Great idea to for that boss to say, you know what? I would love it if you would give Jason some feedback about how you're feeling in this situation. That's totally appropriate because that's my experience. Like I'm the one with the knowledge of the situation. Other than that, f- delegating a feedback conversation is not appropriate. Like that is your job as the leader, period. It just yeah. is. <laughs> Um, and it, the, you just increase your chances to actually have somebody shift the behavior when you're the one who gives it. Yeah. And that's the goal. Yeah. I think there's a lot of misses here and we've seen it and we've pointed those out as we've gone yeah. through the season. And I do think that the situation coming to a head is a leadership failure. I would agree with that. Now, if I, what I will also say to that, and this is just another thing I would say to leaders Sometimes you're going to get in there. You're going to provide the feedback. You're going to give some somebody an opportunity to change and grow, and they're going to choose not to. 
Yes. And that's not on you. Nope, that's <laughs> they their get to side choose. Of the line. That's exactly yep. right. They get to choose what they do with that feedback. Yep. But in this situation where no feedback was given, there can be no behavior change because there's no even awareness that a behavior should change. So no, I'll I, get off my soapbox now. No, I couldn't agree more. And so it it's just going to be, I mean, I think, I think if you've been keeping up with the show, you probably know where this is heading with Nate, but it's, um, it's just unfortunate because there are also, there are also some things which, which I love. There's so much in, in episode 12 where they talk about choices and we're starting to see some of those choices here. You know, Nate does have an opportunity to pull it back and he just, he just keeps going the other way. And that's, again, this is what's hard. I was talking to somebody this week. And I think Beth, for the the work that you and I do and the work that so many leaders that are listening to us do, like you want it, you can see it, right? You can see what's going to happen if this person makes the right decision. You can see what's going to happen if they go the right way. You can see what's going to happen if they develop and if they choose to to go in that direction that you're hoping so badly that they will and they don't choose it. You can't want it more than the person wants it for yeah. themselves. Yeah. And that's with people who care like us, <laughs> that's hard. Yeah, it is um, super, super it's hard. Just, it's just hard. And I've tried to want it for others more than they have. Yeah, it doesn't it, work. It just doesn't work. Yeah. It doesn't work out. So. But man, when they when they want it just as much as you do, it's such oh, a great experience. I just had amazing. a sweet Carly who we've had on the show, who's my former um, boss at my last like internal job. Love Carly. She sent me a text message last week, I think, that I had when I worked at Community, a member of my team who was our training coordinator that I um, hired on while I was there, who is a magical unicorn of a human. Like when Mm. she came in to interview, I was like all the yeses. Yes. Mm. She needs to be on my team. And being her leader was an absolute privilege. She is just a rock star. I think she started working from, she was 23, I think 23 or 24. She started working for me and, you know, early in her career, but man, she's a go-getter and she's so freaking smart. And uh, really organized. Anyway, just a dream of an employee. And from the beginning, when I met her, I thought she's one of those that is going to move on. Like she'll move on from right. this job. She's going to outgrow this job and she's going to outgrow it quickly. And I had in the back of my mind, okay, what do we do to encourage that? Cause I want to see her do awesome things. She's got that potential inside of her. So anyway, I got this message from Carly that said she had gotten promoted. And she was like, I just wanted to make sure you knew. (laughs) And I was like, oh, I love that so much. My little jazzy. Anyway, it's an, it was an amazing feeling. And she got promoted into a really great job. She's going to do such an awesome job. I can't wait to see what comes next for her. Those are the kind of people like when they leave the interview, there's like a rainbow outside. Uh, Yeah. Glitter on their chair. Like, yeah. And I totally give credit to the recruiter that I, I used to work with at community. Cause she called me when she sent me her resume. She was like, she was an internal employee. She had another job at a community. And she was like, I know you're going to look at this resume and go, I don't know if this is exactly what I'm looking for, but I've met this girl and Beth, I'm telling you, this is your person. <laughs> and I was like, I believe you. Like, I trust you. And I believe you let's bring I her in. That. And I, wa- and she walked in and I was like, Oh, I know. Thank you, Lori. That was correct. This is my employee. Thank you. <laughs> well played. That's awesome. But yeah, like sometimes you Hopefully just have you've those. shared that story with her. 
I have. I have with her. And then I I left. Yeah, I did indeed. And um, I shared that story with Carly. As soon as Carly said, she said something to me like, nice hire. Nice hire, Rashley. She's, she, you know, she's been a, a good one. I was like, no, I give all credit for the hire to Lori. Like Lori put her in front of me. But once she's in front of you, you can't help but see it. You know, like see, it's just there. And let's just pause for a moment because Beth won't say this about herself, but I'm going to say it about my wonderful co-host. Like that is what a leader does. What do you do? You give credit to the people that deserve the credit, which was the recruiter. Yep. We also give credit to Beth for recognizing good talent and hiring it. But that's what you do. And you know that we didn't do that intentionally, but it goes right back to this storyline with Nate. And yeah. Nate just is more... Y'all listen, if you, you are chasing the credit, it is This is not leadership is not the job for you if you're it's chasing It's a sour the salad. Mm-mm, it is a no. sa- it is a it is a dirty dessert. It is not see what other things I can come up with that have the same <laughs> letters. It's just it's gross. It's not Yeah. It it's no. It's it's a pink drink that winds up being Pepto-Bismol in your glass when you drink it and you think it's this wonderful thing and it's just Mm-mm. not. It's uh, it's, I am, I think that's why we both love Ted so much because we go back to that thing that he said is my job is to make these men, the best versions of themselves that they can possibly be soccer, yeah. you know, football yeah. is just, a, just a tool in the chest to do that. And, oh, uh, we have so much opportunity that we piss away because we're too worried about who's getting credit and who's going to get the limelight, what it's going to say. And if yeah. we just focus on the fact that it's good work and we're all in it together and everybody wins, gosh, what a different place the world. Yeah. And I think what you, this, the thing that you said at the end is the important part of that. And I think that where people can get hung up with this credit issue is scarcity versus abundance mindset. Like you get worried about things like credit when you think there isn't enough credit to go around. And that's a lie. There is always enough credit. Like there's always enough of all the things. When you're worried about that and the scarcity that also comes from, I think just a lack of being confident in who you are and the skills that you have, because you think that validation has to come through credit. Yeah. And when you're constantly seeking external validation, that is a game that gets old and tiring very, very quickly. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I think sometimes, unfortunately, our systems Mm -hmm. set us up and reinforce that, that kind of thinking, like the example that always comes into my head, anybody who's ever been in the military before um, the intelligence community works the same way as the military in that there are set amount of promotions that happen each year. Like if you want to move levels there are so many that are going to get to happen. And so you are literally competing against everybody else who's at your level for a scarce number of promotions. And pretty early on, like I, and I'll be really transparent about when I first started at the agency, I wanted the promotion because the money mattered. Sure. (laughs) The promotion came with a decent amount of money. And when you're living someplace expensive, like DC, that money mattered, that money mattered big to us especially as Matt and I had Sam, like I, I remember distinctly, I was up for my 14 when I was pregnant with Sam and in my head, I had made it. I knew I was going to go part-time after I had Sam. And I knew this was my year. Like I needed to get the 14 this year. Cause I likely mm-hmm. wouldn't get it as a, a part-time employee. So I'd put a bunch of pressure on myself about it and lo and behold, I did not get it that year. I did not get my 14. <laughs> And I was pretty fired up about it. 
um, because the reasoning was frankly bullshit, but the, like, I just, there's just no way to sugarcoat it, including my bosses were like, yeah, the reasoning they gave is bullshit and it's, and it's not valid and we apologize. And so again, I had like really convinced myself, well, that's it. I'm, I'm going to be a 13 forever. And this is just what's going to happen. And I did in fact, end up getting my 14 as a part-time employee. Like I had made that the next year I got it as a part-time employee. And the story you're telling yourself. Yeah, like it's the story. Like that, that is so easy to slip into that mindset, especially again when those systems reinforce that. And those were definitely there. So I remember in that moment being like, oh, well, this stuff I've made up is bullshit. Like this is not Mm -hmm. valid. And I need to just keep my head down and do good work. And that's what matters. And that's when I was able to kind of finally step out of that. But yeah you know, things, things like that do happen in the workplace. You know, sometimes um, bonuses are determined by things that might have you competing, especially if you work in something like sales. Mm -hmm. But I think the really important thing to think about as leaders, number one, where are some systems like that, that might be in place inadvertently, like you don't even know that you do try to notice that because if you want to encourage strong, healthy teams, it can't be based on competition has to be based on everybody winning. Um, so look out for those kind of sneaky things and just don't fall into that, that mindset trap. I I'm a firm believer that when you do good, good comes back to you Yes, <laughs> like that. You yep. don't need to be worried about the credit. Yeah. Credit will come. Well, and I think we've, I'm, I'm sure I've talked about this before, but, um, being a, uh, certified, uh, sales coach for Blind Zebra, my friend Brian Neal. Um, they start out with the thinking column when they do mm-hmm. training, and the very first concept they talk about is abundance. Yep. And his definition is that there is more than enough than more than enough, more than enough of more than enough for everybody. Yep. And uh, and I don't know if you've ever dealt with people like if you've ever if you've ever been on the receiving end of somebody selling you something from a scarcity mindset, mm-hmm. it feels really icky and very yeah. high pressure and it's just not a good win. Yeah. And- I've got this, I've got this woman stalking me on LinkedIn right now who this is one of my pet peeves. So again, if you're somebody who's trying to network with people or don't, connect don't with, do this, Oh right? my God, don't do these things. And I get it all the time. I'm sure you do too, Jason. And it is always people who are approaching you because they're going to help you get clients. They're going to help you get coaching clients. They're going to help you get consulting clients. And I know it's BS because the way in which you get clients is that you build relationships with people. So here's what happens instead. They connect with you. And sometimes their job titles are in such a way that I'm like, I don't know if this is like a real person who knows me or if this is somebody trying right. to sell yep. me something. And I always try to err on the side of connecting with people because I just... Yeah, I used to. I'm past that now. I'm starting to get that yep. way yep. because of yep. because of the situation. So anyway, yep. I connected with this person, instantly get a message, yep. a That's sales the, message, nothing the, yep. personal about, hey, Beth. Nope. Yep. It's just, Hey, here's this thing I have. And I kid you not every day I get a follow-up from her about it every day. And every day it is as impersonal as the next day. Like you don't know anything about me or my business. Why do you obviously do they care about learning anything about? No, like there's no, I mean, there is always a request for when can we talk when never? Yeah. Never. Oh, that stuff makes me nuts. Like all business comes from relationships. So if you're not in 
building that relationship, it's just never going to be effective. No. It makes me not. nuts. All right. So we know that Nate's things are not great. Great for Nate the Great. But we do have some other uh, interesting things that are going on here. I, I really like the way uh, Mr. Akufo Akufu um, <laughs> makes his debut. He lands his helicopter on the on the pitch, and uh, Ted goes to shake his hand, and he's like, "Oh, I don't shake hands, but I do." He's got a he's got a handshaker <laughs> who's behind him, and one of my favorite quotes of this whole thing is Ted goes Ted goes. Uh, Ooh, I like that handshake. Firm but comforting, like a weighted blanket for my hand toes. It's like and I just I love toes. hand toes because right? foot I've heard foot fingers before. Yeah. Right? But hand toes, hand I just toes. thought that was I thought that was pretty fantastic. Oh my gosh. I, was, I don't know where they come up with this stuff. Uh, I really hate. Did you like the helicopter landing in the thing? I hated all of that. Oh, I hated it. I thought I was like, what a pretentious pump. Right. Ass. Like I, I was like, wow, just right out of the gate with. Well, the- and he did. He was like, well, I was told that your, you know, your training would be done, which I think we need to talk about. The training was not done oh, hilarious. because they are all learning a backstreet. Street boys. No, no, no. Uh, no. Sync. In sync. Jason Sorry, it's Barnaby. It's all the same to me. Disappointed. In, uh, in you. Well, you know what? In sync. Backstreet Boys. They all sound the same to me. Anyway, <laughs> they're le- it's bye bye. Is it bye bye bye? Is that the yes. name of the song? Yeah. So they're you think because they're showing Ted's perspective, which I thought was pretty fantastic. And he's like, "No, you're not getting it." You think they're talking about yes. soccer? Yeah. Turns out they're doing this, and he and you know they're talking about the jumps and all the stuff. And uh, I, it, it's it's pretty funny. Um, it, it's real funny. And the the part that I really loved in that whole scene is that part of his coaching is he wants it to be good because the effort is the gift. Yes. It's the, what's going to mean something to her is that they put the effort in to right. learn this choreography. And I loved that. Yeah. I loved that like intentional call out of like, when you do a gesture like that, it's the effort. And then he, and then Ted leaves the pitch to go with this, with this Edwin Akufo guy. And uh, he looks at beard and he goes, can you take it? And he's like, if I must, <laughs> or if it if it if it has to be me or something like yeah. that. So they no, he up- says no. He says it's got to be me, which is another NSYNC song, uh, by the way. Yeah. Oh, well, see, you see. didn't even catch that, Jason. Nope. See, I'm disappointed. There's so, there's so much. Um, this is uh this is the this is a important part of my musical journey is this music, Jason. Wow. Never heard somebody talk about NSYNC as an important part of their musical journey. Oh. It's it's important. The boy band movement was important, Jason. So so what y'all don't know is before we started talking, Beth <laughs> is a huge fan of like shows that I've I, I listen. If you haven't figured this out listening to us, I am comfortably unaware of a whole lot of things in life, and it serves me pretty well a lot. But like when it comes to things like classic novels or literature or people who are writers about certain things or directors <laughs> and best thrown out all these, well, do you know about this? Do you know that? And I'm like, nope, haven't seen that movie. Haven't read. So she's going to make me a list of all the shows make him I need a list to see. Of some stuff he's missed out on and in I the just, Aaron Sorkin universe. And she's like, I'm, I don't know if we can be friends. Well, I'm going to return that and say, I'm not sure we can be friends if NSYNC was part of your musical journey. Oh, those are fighting words, Jason Barnaby. Those are fighting <sighs> words. And here is my response to that. Okay, here we go, kids. Is, is Justin Timberlake is 
a musical genius. Like if he is a badass, I will. He give is you a that. total badass. But see, I if you would have asked me what band Justin Timberlake was in, I would you not would have been able known. to tell so you that. that he was so insane. that is okay, where the musical significance see? comes from. A lot of those songs, okay. especially on that album that they're referenced, he started writing music on in the Instinct days. Okay. See, comfortably so, unaware. Come on. All right. Um, That's those fair. are fighting words. Don't talk about my okay. JT. He is important my to JT. me. JT is important to me as are his songs. I do think though, like while we're talking about funny things that we don't really know what they mean, um, when Nate does come in with the idea about the false nine, uh, Ted goes, well, you, you call me Dumbo because I'm all ears. <laughs> and Nate goes, is that a yes? Because <laughs> he doesn't understand. <laughs> he doesn't understand the reference. And Beard just looks up and goes, yes. Like Beard's yeah. his translator, which mm-hmm. is hilarious. Yeah. Which, you know, then goes into Nate saying, I give Ted 90 and he takes all the credit. Yeah. Which we talked about. And, so in uh, that scene too is, is that we have a Beard book call out. So that is the scene too yeah. where Beard is reading. This week's episode has Beard reading Entangled Life, which I'm going to read you the whole title because it's so hilarious. Funny. It's so random. It's Entangled Life. How funky, funky make our worlds change our minds and shape our future. So it's a book about mushrooms, which we believe is a call out to the tea, the mushroom tea. Interesting choice here for, <laughs> for Beard's book. <sighs> and yeah. it kind of makes, I don't really want to read a book about mushroom, but yeah, it does same. even talk about in the book, apparently psychedelics. So they snuck that in to this episode. So that's for those of you following Beard's books, Beard's reading list. There's one to add. So let's talk a little bit about because uh, Sharon is leaving. Yeah, it's her last day. Ted's Ted's got the boys figuring out choreography from an in sync song. Very good. Um, Very proud. Yep. Thank you. I'm learning. Um, <laughs> and Higgins uh, gives him the spoiler that uh, Sharon has decided to to scoot a couple days early, and that uh, she wrote letters to everyone saying goodbye. And he hands the letter to uh, to Ted, and he decides not to read it. And uh, except as he's run, he puts the letter back on his desk and walks out. And he's like, "No, I'm gonna go find her." And Higgins goes, "Let her go." And so he comes. Ted comes back in. He's just so he's like, "That was that was really good." And he and makes him grab the letter, and then he yeah. Leaves. Um, you know, I was taught many, many moons ago in my corporate world. Um, I was in the, uh, we call it the fairly incestuous financial services world where you just wind up working for lots of different Mm -hmm. companies. You kind of bounce around from place to place. And so you get to know people in the industry and then it's like, you know, what, what logos on your business card this, this year. Um, and somebody said, and I saw this come around many times during my 10 years in the corporate world of uh, you just never know who you're going to work for. Mm-hmm. So make sure that you don't burn any bridges on your way out. And um, Nate is working really hard to just completely nuke bridges um, as things are winding down. But Sharon, I want to know so badly what is in that letter. I know. And they never tell us. No, they, you know, you wind up seeing Ted read the letter in front of her. And he like at the end, he's close to tears and he's like, well, that's a, that's a real, that's a real good letter, (laughs) but we, but we don't know what's in it. And I just think that this is a really, 
a good lesson for us to remember to be thoughtful with your parting words. Yeah. Um, Cause you just, those are the things that, that, you know, our, our goodbyes are what people remember and our parting words and the way that we leave people remember that. And that could overshadow everything else that you've done. Yeah. And so I would just caution if you have an opportunity to move on, how can you do that with the utmost dignity and respect and grace because you never know when it's going to come back around. Yeah, I think that is so, so, so important. And I think really kind of the underlying theme that I see in this episode is it's it's different. It's different people figuring out how they can best say goodbye. Like that's what this episode is in a lot of ways. It's both decision points about whether you're going to say goodbye to somebody, but it's also, okay, those goodbyes happening and how are they happening? I think you know, even the Nate Ted situation, that's what that is too. That's Nate not understanding that you can move on without blowing a bridge up on your way out. The Roy and Keeley situation. That's what that is. Sam and Rebecca. That's what that is. The Sharon situation, you know, like, I just think that one just repeats and repeats and repeats this show. And I do think there's something to understanding your inclinations Mm -hmm. there and understanding where you might have some pain points or some trouble points because not everybody does that well. Right. And I think it's an important thing for you to think about, especially in your, if you're in a leadership role and you're thinking about leaving, I was just talking to somebody um, yesterday about, you know, they're thinking about moving on and, and their team's worried. I think that the team has picked up that they're thinking about moving on and, and she was asking, okay, how do I handle that? And, and I was like, I think you have to handle it with, you know, honesty and transparency, but maybe not too much transparency. Like you want to balance that, but I don't think as a leader, you can get, um, so you can get so caught up in the emotion of that, that then you don't leave when you should, Yeah, you know, like that, that can be a double-edged sword too. So take care of the people, but not at your own, the expense of your own growth and development. All right. So in this part with Sam and the billionaire guy who wants to buy him there, he puts on like an elaborate ruse to get Sam. I mean, spends a ton of money. And I don't know if you've ever been in a place where you are being wooed. I'm saying this to you, Beth, or to people who are listening, like people can pull out all the stops Mm -hmm. and it can look you know, they're making all kinds of promises and it can look really amazing. And that's where like the soul searching piece, like, because here's the other spoiler alert, like, yeah, money makes things easier, but I I know a lot of people that make a lot of money who are miserable. Yeah. I mean, a lot. And it's easy. I think if you're a person who is struggling right now, it's like, well, I'd rather struggle. um, And have the money. (laughs) I'd rather struggle and have the money. I was just thinking about a quote that I heard the other day that would have been perfect here. It's like, I, I want the, I want the opportunity to prove that money doesn't ruin people. Mm, yeah. <laughs> like maybe it does, but I'll give it a shot. I'll, I'll show you that it doesn't in fact do that. Just give me the money. Um, but I, I just, I think so many times again, the ego, the, oh, money must mean that I'm successful. Money yeah. must mean that I'm good. Money must mean that I'm talented. Money must mean that I've arrived. Yeah. Title must mean that this is, and and if you don't, you know, it'll, it'll fill that hole for a minute. But if you don't have that in yourself, 
you're going to get there and start looking around really quickly into what's next and what's the next thing and where's more money. And because that's, you need to prove that it is who you are. Well, and the, you know, the research every day will show like people need enough money to not um, struggle. Like you need enough so that you can pay your mortgage and have food and put your kids through college or whatever. But beyond that, additional money doesn't equal job happiness. It just doesn't. It just doesn't. Yeah. So, you know, in a perfect scenario, we would all really love jobs that make (laughs) so that you can do what you're saying. Like, let's just try and see. Yeah. But I, I do think there's something to be said for knowing what you're passionate about and what brings you joy without the dollar behind it. And I think too often too, we put, I read a great book years ago. Um, by Elizabeth Gilbert called Big Magic. That was it's yes. really all about like. Have you read that one? Yes, I, I cried. That book. I oh, cried so at good. the beginning because I was starting to write my book. Yeah, it's so freaking yeah, good. It's really so about good. creativity in a lot of ways. Like that's yes. what I would tell you it's about. But part of what she talks about is with art and with creative ventures in general. When we put the pressure on that, it has to equal supporting ourselves. Right then it, you're not letting it be what it needs to be. Like you can't put that kind of pressure on it. And, and as I, one that, who, yep. As one yeah. who's the sole breadwinner of my home while my wife is in graduate school and being a solopreneur, I will tell you that the pressure has definitely crushed the creativity. Right. And that's, yeah, I just, I can't. And I have come from a scarcity mindset. Like I've got to get this deal. I've got to get this deal. And, you know, one thing I will say about that book, because I, it would, it would, I've shared this with many people and, and I think it's a, it's a very interesting insight because she talks about how, like, you have an idea that you don't do anything with, and then six months, a year, two years, five years down the road, somebody else will do it. And you're like, oh, they took my idea. And her point in that was like, these things like float around the universe kind of. Mm -hmm. And find a willing host. Yep. And I thought that part was really interesting too. She tells a fascinating story about a book idea that she had, that she even had like notes on it. She had proof about it. And then she was talking to a friend and she set it down for some reason. Like she ended up not writing it. Yep. Then she was talking to a good friend like a year later and the, she asked what she was working on and it was the book that she, and they had never had a conversation about it, but it was the same like general premise. So it was like. She was like, it was like the idea just like went to Anne instead yep. of. I took the original uh, title for my book was Firestarters, period. And somebody else wrote a book called Firestarters in the time that I yeah. couldn't, couldn't get mine published. Well, you and I had that too. Do you remember? Um, so we started working on the podcast, you know, a couple months before it came out. And yes, yes, we had, we had been like, I had searched, I had searched a bunch for us. Anybody else got something called the diamond dogs. We, we had kind of bounced around about a couple of names and had landed there. And the week we launched, somebody else also launched a podcast with that name. Now it was different enough that we decided to go with it. (laughs) But that stuff happens all the, well, obviously, but uh, you know, like not no shame, no shade to the other podcasts that I've never even listened to. Same, but ours is better. Yeah, obviously. But yeah, that stuff happens all the freaking time. Like it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting premise. So anyway, if you're at all interested in creativity, that might be a, a book for you to pick up really anything by Elizabeth Gilbert. I would highly, highly recommend, including her fiction. 
Have you ever read any of her fiction? I think you already know the answer to that question. It's going to be no. Okay. I'm going to add it to Jason's list. (laughs) I'd like, Mm. and see, here's the thing. I'm a good, I can go through a list. I just can't, I don't have the attention span to make the damn list. So I will make you the um, list. And I would say that in all of this stuff that we're talking about, like the soul searching and stuff, be honest with yourself. Uh, We're going to see that with Sam, but I love what Rebecca does. She says to him, like, I can't make you stay, but I also hope you don't leave. Yeah. And I thought that was really good. Like like that's a way of saying like relieving pressure on you. Right. Like I'm, but I also have to speak my truth. Yeah. And I love the way that she did that because I think if she didn't and he left, she would regret that forever. Right. And she's got to make a decision. Like, do I, do I gamble and put it out there? And she does. And I think that's great. But before um, all that happens, I think one of the greatest quotes in the whole thing, Beth, you got to take this. Um, She's Rebecca's talking to Ted about it a little bit. Oh, the other funny thing that happens that we didn't talk about at all. So she, she goes down to Ted's office and confesses that she's been seeing Sam. Right. And he has this great line where he was like, this is becoming a trend. Like this time of year, you come down and <laughs> give me some like drop a truth bomb, drop a truth bomb on me, which I thought was a funny kind of callback to what happens in last season. So anyway, then later she's like talking to Ted about, about happening, about what's happening. She's like, I feel like I'm just in this strange limbo. And he goes, limbo, great party game, horrible relationship status. <laughs> just and so there's funny. also there's also a little hint here, I think, for season three, because he says around this time last year you dropped this truth bomb, and she goes, "We'll see you next year." Then, yeah, I th- I know I so can't wait to another, see what happens next season. There's got to be another one. Yeah, and they're saying like we'll see, but they're saying three is going to be the last one because I think they were very intentional about yeah everything mapping I've out read, like three seasons. Yep, so everything I've read said this was supposed to be like a Shakespearean three act play. Yep. Yeah. And the arc was going to be three seasons and that's it. Yeah. And I hope for the love that they don't go, ooh, but for all the money, we could do another season. And I it's know. just lame. It because... just ends up. Then you end up with Lost. We've talked about that before. Oh, so it's a good show gone wrong. It's what happens when shows stay too long right. for the money. JJ Abrams. Yeah. Come on. Don't know who that is, but sure. <laughs> Jason. Just trying to keep with the theme of the show. J.J. Abrams was the writer and creator of Lost. Well, there you go. That's who J.J. Abrams was, but I don't. He also did um, Alias. Did you ever watch Alias? Oh, I loved Alias. Oh, I started watching. So my relationship with when you were at the CIA. No, no. So before, so I had gone for my interview, and I think maybe I had even gone for testing. I can't remember. So like I knew I was in the process of becoming an employee. And one of my best friends, as a joke, bought me season one of Alias on DVD. She was like, I just feel like this is something you're going to need. Like, if this is going to be your job, I feel like you need to like watch this, which if you watch Alias, it has just for the record, has absolutely nothing to do with like that is not what working at the CIA is like as at far all. As that's what's that's never about what this told. To tell nope. Everybody. It's not. I can just exactly. just trust me when I say that is not what working at the CIA is like. If you want a realistic, exactly what somebody this, no, no. If you want a realistic, per, the best show I've ever seen from a realism perspective. It's a little bit goes a little bit sideways, but um, Homeland. John, no, oh no, not Homeland either. Homeland's real bad. Um, uh, there's a show on Amazon. I think it's called The Patriot. That has John Krasinski from The Office. He's yes, the main guy. Yeah, yeah. That one's pretty realistic. 
The only thing that's not realistic about that is this, but they go a little rogue in season two, but season one, super realistic again. You heard it here for the most part. There's a lot of like, there's, they've had somebody who worked their work on that show because there's some, there's some like subtle stuff that I'm like, man, they really nailed some, some good stuff. But anyway, so she bought me season of season one of Alias and I got totally sucked in because that show is. Oh, it's so good. So good. If you never watched that one, it just came out on, I think Netflix I saw. Name of the main character. I'm blanking. Sydney Bristow. Sydney Bristow. I wanted to name Lucy Sydney, but I lost. That's what I wanted, Lucy's. And the actress was? Jennifer Garner. Jennifer. Yeah, but there's a bunch of Bradley um, Cooper before he got famous is in that show. He is. I told you. Yeah, he's Will. Yeah. Uh, One of her friends. Oh my gosh. That's right. So there's a bunch of people in that that are like in it before they were really famous, including Jennifer Garner. She was, that was one of her big like breakout. Breakout roles. Yeah. Anyway, we have digressed again. All right. And I think that we, uh, I think a good way to end this is just that we end it with um, Beard's quote to Roy, because for this photo shoot, Roy has been told that he has to wear all black, which is like, that's ridiculous. And, you know, and the whole charcoal gray, whatever. And then uh, he's like, they told the lady told me my eyebrows were crazy. So he's going around looking for confirmation. And finally, at the very end, Beard just looks at him and goes, your eyebrows aren't crazy. They're psychotic. (laughs) (laughs) And and Roy goes, I appreciate that. (laughs) That's a great scene. And it's also super like, I love that scene for Beard too, because it's unusual that he would even engage in a conversation. Yeah, it's like kind that of bromancy a little bit. I know. Bit. I kind I of like, it. I hope that there is a little bit of a Beard Roy bromance in season three. three. Yeah. I'm going to like manifest that. Yeah. I think there's potential there. We that. see, we see it coming in, in the next episode. Yeah. That's my thing. I feel like there, yeah. there might be alluding to that there's going to be some bonding that happens there between. Yeah, I love that for them. So that's going to do it for this episode of the show. We'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us for the Diamond Dogs podcast. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the show. You can find us on Instagram at the Diamond Dogs podcast or wherever you like to listen. Listen.